Luke chapter 13 today, verse 31, it says, On that very day, some Pharisees came, saying to him, Get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. They're speaking to Jesus. And he, Jesus, said to them, You go tell that fox. Let me tell you something. Jesus is good, but he's also bad. He said, you go tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures, miracles today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. Look at verse 32, underline it, write it in your notes. He said, go tell the fox. Go tell that fox. Church, it's time that we, the bride of Christ, that we learn to tell the fox that he does not have the final say-so in our lives. Can I get an amen this morning? Come on, several years ago, everyone was asking, what does the fox say? It was the worst song in American history. But today we are asking, what will the church say? What will the church say when the fox says no? What will the church say when the devil tells the church to sit down? What will the church say when the devil tells us to be quiet? Come on, somebody, let's pray today. Lord, I thank you today for your presence and for your glory. I am believing right now that all distractions are going to cease that our eyes are going to be focused on you, that our ear is going to be in tune with this word. And I pray that it goes forth today and takes root into somebody's spirit and sets a fire inside of their bones. And the church said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, wake up. Help that boy preach. Come on now. Jesus said, go tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures and miracles today and tomorrow. We are living in a day, we are in the middle of a time when we have to let hell know that God is still in charge. Amen. The day of scaredy cat Christianity is over. The days of limp wrist leaders and Christians and church is no more. The expiration date has arrived for Christian cowards. The days of running and hiding are over. But these are the days for the redeemed of the Lord to say so. Amen. These are the days when the redeemed need to stand up and say, let me tell you about my Jesus. These are the days to let the world know that God is on your side. Let me give you some background information this morning before we continue about this text that I just read. 
During this text, Jesus is in, he is entering into somewhat the final weeks of his ministry, of his life. In just a few weeks from this time, we will read about Jesus carrying the cross. We will hear and see the story of how he was beaten and bruised and spat upon. He was disowned by his own and mocked by some friends. He will be crucified and his blood was spilt upon the cross that day and it was shed for us all. At this very time, it's just a few weeks away and the cross is on the horizon. The redemption plan is coming into sight and he's just days away from stepping into his purpose, the reason that his father sent him down to earth. And as his purpose grows closer, as the father's plan for his child gets into view, the Pharisees began to intensify their attacks on Jesus. Satan begins to turn up the heat. So understand this. If the Pharisees in your life will not leave you alone, if the Pharisees of this life are hot on your trail, if Satan has been loud in your ears these last few weeks and keeps telling you what to do and telling you to quit, there is a very good chance that you are on the right track if you are in a fight with the devil. There is a very good a chance, my friend, that purpose is about to be revealed if the foxes will not leave you alone. And so often we want to know, am I on the right track? Am I in his will? If that's you, one of the ways that you can tell is by the position of the enemy. Satan's posture toward you is always a good gauge of what track you are on because if Satan is after you, you are on the right track. Can I get an amen this morning? Breakthroughs are always, always go before intensifying pressure. You would never need a breakthrough. Breakthrough would not even be in our vocabulary if it were not for attacks of Satan. And in my personal ministry, in my personal life, especially these last three or so years of planning legacy, I have seen it time and time again. There is always a harvest around the corner of your hell. Can I get an amen this morning? There is always a harvest on the other side of the battle. Every time I feel provoked by Satan, I say, hang on self, there is a harvest that is waiting. Every time I feel verbal attacks, I know there is always, there is always a harvest that is coming. I know it, I can feel it. I have seen it and I have proved it. This text that is happening today is in such a critical moment in history. It's a critical moment in the life of Jesus. And the same will be in your life's 
story. He will come against you in critical moments. He will come against you in pivotal moments. He will come against you when your eyes are focused, but but he will try to distract you. He will come against you when you are in a season, when, when, when you need to be the one that has it together, when you need to be the strong one in your house, when you need to be the one in your marriage that has it together. Guess what? That is the very, that is a warning flag that Satan is about to attack you. These Pharisees came to Jesus, listen, in such a passive aggressive way. I don't know about you, but I do not do well with passive aggressive people. And I don't think Jesus does either because Jesus saw through the passive aggressiveness and he knew what they were wanting did not coincide with his destiny. They were giving him advice. They were telling him, Jesus, if I were you, I would take off running. You need to leave this place. You need to run. Herod is after you. But he saw their agenda because just a few verses earlier, the same Pharisees were actually attacking him for healing a woman that had been sick for 18 years. Can you imagine getting mad over somebody getting a healing when they've been sick for 18 years? That's what Pharisees do. And he realized that they were just using the name of Herod as a method to get them out, to get him out of their city. Listen, just because someone is giving you advice doesn't mean it's from heaven. In these days, the bride, we are getting information at record speeds. The bride has got to be able to see through to the real intentions When you are reading something on your computer, we are in such a day where you've got to be able to see through it. When you turn your news on and they're giving you information, you've got to be able to see the real intention. Pharisees were leaders. They were were giving advice. You've got to understand also that just because someone is a leader does not mean that they have your best interest in mind. Amen. The bride has got to be awake in this hour and I'm praying for the church Lord give your church a supernatural vision almost like x-ray vision where we can see through the enemy we can see through words we can see through tactics anybody there with me you can see through the devil's plans you can see through political agendas you can see through hurtful words and you can see past the fluff and see the real intentions of people These people, the Pharisees, they wanted him dead because he was getting into their territory. He was exposing who they really were. Get this in your notes. When you start getting in the devil's territory, when you start exposing the enemy, when you start putting light in the dark places, as soon as you open your mouth and begin to speak and you call sin a sin, 
and you will not stand for everything that this world is standing for and you open your mouth about it, the enemy will tell you to run. Fear will come over you. He will tell you to shut your mouth because it will ruin your reputation. He will tell you to sit because if you keep standing up for truth, your ministry will shrink. He tells you, you better close your mouth. You don't want to stand up for those things because you will lose support. He will tell you, he will tell you, don't, don't, don't be mentioning abortion from, from the pulpit. He will tell you, just let the homosexual agenda slide because if you open up your mouth, you'll lose followers. You'll, you'll begin to lose friends. But I want to remind the church today that the days of the silent church are over. I said the days of the silent church, they are over. Silent churches are going to die within five years because they're going to be overtaken by culture around them. And while Satan is busy trying to silence the church, God is speaking loudly in this hour. He is telling the church, I did not light you up so you could hide. I did not set you on a fire so you could hide under a bushel oh no but he's calling in this hour know who you are you are a city on a hill amen I created you not only to be seen in these days but I also created you to be heard in this hour and when the devil tells you to run you better park it right where you are when the devil tells you to move that's when you just need to say no I'm not going anywhere cause when the fox wants you to run that is the exact place of harvest I feel it I feel pushback I feel pushback from people around me a pastor called me this week and said you need to stop because people don't believe like you do in this town I heard in that moment, just keep on keeping on. It's the place of the harvest. When foxes tell you to run, it's the place of harvest. The word says that Herod was coming after Jesus. And it's important to understand that this Herod is not the same Herod of the Old Testament that was killing the babies in the Old Testament. That's not the same Herod. But when that Herod of the Old Testament died, he divided his kingdom into parts. And this Herod that is mentioned in this verse is an offspring to the Old Testament Herod. And he, this Herod that we are talking about right now, he actually gained power and access and oversight, and he is watching over his region, which is around the region of the Sea of Galilee. Get this. This is the same Herod who stole his brother's wife. He had his, not only did he steal his brother's wife, but he also killed his brother and took his sister-in-law as his wife. In other words, this man was messed up. This man is messed 
up. This is the same Herod that came after John the Baptist. Anyone that was exposing him, he wanted them dead. He killed his brother. He took his wife. This guy is messed up and he's trying to lead. Listen, you've got to stop taking advice from people that are messed up. When somebody comes to me with a word of advice, I'm looking at their fruit. You shall know them by the fruit they bear. And if you've not prayed into it, you ain't fasted, you ain't spirit-filled, don't let their advice get into your spirit. That was pretty weak. I said, if somebody is giving you advice and they're not washed in the blood, they're not in the Word, they're not praying and filled with the Spirit, do not let that advice get into your spirit. Do not take advice from people that are a mess. How often do we let messy people speak into our life? You do it all the time. The people that you watch on the media, they're a mess, hot mess. You ever, there's a difference between a mess and a hot mess. People that we listen to their songs. That's what I thought. They are a mess. They got babies around the world and we're letting them speak into us. You've got to quit letting hot messes speak into your mess. If they're not saved, if they're not in the Word, if they're not praying... Don't let that advice get into your spirit. This Herod was after John the Baptist. He, he wanted his head on a platter. He, why? Because he was exposing him. He wanted him dead. This Herod is the one. He said, go get his head. He gave the orders. Why was he after John the Baptist? Just because the same reason he was after Jesus. He was getting into his territory. When you look at John the Baptist, he was a very unique guy. Some would call him today what we call eccentric. Some would say that he was just a freak. He looked like a freak. He acted like a freak. He wasn't polished enough to stand in most pulpits today. If he were to walk into the church, most churches would be like, you need to come back next Sunday. He wasn't churchy enough for most Christians. He ate wild locusts and honey. And the word says that he was clothed in camel's hair. He did not have on fine linens or robe, but camel's hair. Hair. It just sounds disgusting to me. He was just different. He was, he was Jesus' kinfolk. He was preparing the way for Jesus to come to earth. What made him so unique? What made him a target? What made him stand out from the crowd? Number one, get this in your notes. He had a different diet. In other words, his lips desired things that others did not. He did not crave for what others were craving for. And understand this today. If you want to have a John the Baptist anointing on you for such a moment as this, we've got to have a different diet. Amen. I'm not talking about a physical diet. I'm not talking about paleo or keto or the oh no, I ate that 
diet. I'm talking about your spiritual diet. Amen. You won't crave what the world is craving. Amen. You don't want what the world is wanting. The world cannot satisfy you. Your desires will be different. The things that the world hates are the very things that will hit the spot and fill you up. Amen. The world don't want to waste their time on a Sunday morning gathering with believers. The world don't want to be in the presence of God. Why? Because it exposes the foxes in their very lives. But you, my friend, somebody who's wanting to be different, somebody who's wanting to be used to prepare the way of the Lord, you are craving the presence of God. Amen. You can't wait to get in his presence. You may be an extrovert. You may be an introvert. But there is something about coming together with believers. It's like honey on your soul. You can have the worst week ever and you are still craving I just want to get in his presence anybody ever been there you're craving his glory you're craving the word you're craving moments of worship with like minded people you know people are not enough you know you need him the bible says that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word everything that comes out of the mouth of God and the John the Baptist of this day they understand that and they live by it they want to get in his presence they want to be around believers they want to be challenged by the word they don't get mad if the pastor preaches about sin they don't roll their eyes if the pastor's preaching about holiness they don't they, they, they don't like being idle they don't like being lazy and complacent there is something on the inside of them that is longing for a new dimension, not only to go deeper, but also to go wider. Is there anybody in the house this morning that, that that's you? Say, I don't want just another Sunday. I'm ready to experience him. I'm ready for an encounter. I want to be empowered for what is next. When you get to this point in your walk, guess what? You no longer want what you want. You just want what God wants. How long has it been since you prayed, God, I just want what you want? Instead of coming to him in prayer and saying, let me get my list out. John had different cravings. He did, he, 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 there was nothing, everything that filled him, it was just weird to everybody else. Anybody ever feel like John? He was not only had different cravings, but John also looked a little different. He was clothed in camel's hair. As I said before, it sounds disgusting. Who would want to wear camel's hair? It sounds weird. Did you know when, I, when we were looking over at, uh, the life of a camel this week and the characteristics of it, did you know that a camel when it stops to get a drink in a river, that whenever it stops drinking, that it stores up water inside of itself, and it can last upward to 10 to 15 days without stopping to get another drink. They can, they can stop 
and get a drink from in the middle of the river and then go into the driest places Go into the hottest deserts. Go into the most deserted locations and survive. Get this. They get so much of the river inside of them. They get so much of the water. They get in the river. We sing about getting in the river. This is what this is about. They get so much of the river of life inside of them that they can go into the driest places and when everybody else is complaining and when everybody else is crying and when everybody else is dying they are thriving they are thriving the bible says that out of your belly what shall flow what rivers of what living Water In these days, get this, the church needs to get so full of his presence on a Sunday. You get so full of his glory that you can walk through the driest week. You can walk through the most depressing week. And while everybody else is complaining, you're standing there and saying, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you everything that he's done for me. You got to get it in you. We to get full in the word and the water of life. Amen? Camels, this is disgusting. We know they spit, but camels have the ability to regurgitate water from their stomach and drink it again. Talk about backwash. <laughs> Woo! Cows have this ability where they can, they can chew and they, and they regurgitate it and chew it again. And they, exactly. Got sound effects over here. They have the ability to, to drink all of it. And when it's time they're thirsty again, they can regurgitate it and spew it out. Now listen, this is not confirmation for you. To go spit in somebody's face. Don't blame that one on me. But the lesson behind this today, the lesson behind this is that we need to get so full. In the country, we call it full as a tick. So full of the river of God that when you open your mouth, in the driest part of life, when you are standing in the middle of a desert, when you open your mouth in the middle of chaos, when you open your mouth in the middle of confusion, when you open your mouth in the middle of a pandemic, every time you open your mouth, you are not doing anything except refreshing people. It's like the spirit is coming out of you. You're refreshing people in the marketplace. Place. You're you are refreshing people on the job site. Everybody else is grappling and complaining, and you're just spewing the spirit of refreshment. Whenever you come around, you start agitating people because you're so refreshing. There should be so much river on the inside of us that we cannot keep it to ourselves. The Pharisees looked at Jesus. And in their passive way, to tell him to get out of town 
Herod's after him. Jesus looked at them and gave them a word. Gave them a word, not only for Herod, but he was giving this word to all the religious folk that were standing and taking notes and watching this. Jesus said, go tell that fox. You go tell that little weasel. You go tell that little varmint. You go tell that fox. Do you know anything about a fox? Foxes have characteristics. You need to get these because, number one, they are crafty and sly. Foxes of life, they will trick you. One minute they'll be for you. The next minute they'll be against you. Anybody ever had a fox in your life? One minute they're kissing you on the cheek. The next minute they're stabbing you in the back. Anybody ever been there? One minute they're in front of you. The next minute they're behind. They are crafty and sly. Number two, they are deceitful. They will deceive you. You think they're cute, but they will destroy your vines. You think that they're so cute, but they are destroying the harvest around you. Number three, they live in dark holes. They like to get in and burrow themselves down into the deep soil. They will, they will, they, 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 they love darkness. Isn't that interesting? They live in the very thing that God is trying to get you out of. They love darkness. And the enemy will put people, I mean, I mean foxes in your path to get you to remain in dark places. Number four, characteristics of a fox. They are nocturnal and they do their greatest destruction. They do most of their hunting at night when you are asleep. Band, help me out. They do most of their destruction at night when you are asleep. But that day, guess what? Jesus was not asleep. Amen. Jesus was not sleeping that day. He knew the wiles of the enemy. He knew what was going on. Church, do not let the foxes of life catch you sleeping. Do not let the fox pull you into dark places. Be alert and be able to see through their tactics. Jesus said, go tell that Fox, I know what I'm hearing. I know what I've been told. I know everyone is telling me to be quiet. I know you want me to stop with the miracles. I know everybody's telling me I'm not going to make it. I know everybody's telling me I'm about to be murdered. But you go tell that fox, guess what? The lame are walking again. He said, go tell that fox that the blind can now see. He said, you go tell that fox because I'm here. The deaf can hear again. He said, you go tell that fox that demons are fleeing demons are scattering from homes he said you go tell that fox go tell him that dead people are being raised go tell that fox he said I was here yesterday tell him I'll be here today and tell him I'll be here tomorrow go ahead and tell that fox I'm not going anywhere I'm not moving and that is where the church has got to get every time he tells you something you gotta go 
go tell the fox, I was here yesterday, I'm going to be here today, and I will be here tomorrow, somebody. I'm not going anywhere. He was God yesterday. He's my God today. Come on, somebody, and he'll be God in the future. You got to tell the fox, I'm not going anywhere. You got to tell the fox, get your hands off of my joy. Get your hands off of my destiny. Tell the fox, get your hands off of my children. Tell that fox, get your hands off of my house. Today, the church has got to speak to the fox and stand her ground. Stand with me today. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you got to talk to the fox today. Come on, tell, tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, you got to learn how to talk to the fox today. I know what the fox said, but what are you going to say? Tell the fox you belong to Jesus today, somebody. Tell the fox your family belongs to Jesus. Come on, talk to the fox, somebody. Tell that dark fox that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear today? When the devil tells you that you are depressed, you tell that fox the joy of the Lord is my strength. When the devil tells you that you are full of fear, look at that fox in his eyes and say, devil, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power. And you may not even know it, but I've got a sound mind on my neck today. When the devil tells you you will never be blessed. You say, sorry, Fox. I'm going to be blessed in the city. I'm going to be blessed in the field. I'm going to be blessed when I come. I'm going to be blessed when I go. And when the devil tells you that you are defeated, you got to tell the Fox, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper today. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper.